Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Caring Too Much, your favorite podcast. Uh, I'm Alex. I am here today with my co-host, David, and we are going to be talking about urban living um, and, and everything that goes into that. You know, the struggles, the upsides, which do exist as well, how it impacts students, the, the whole nine yards. So let's take a dive into our topic for this week. Thank you for that brilliant intro, Alex. Um, like we said, we're talking about living downtown. It, it's sort of followed, like there's some similar themes from our, our last week's podcast, you know, talking about uh, encampments uh, because it's, you know, it's all tied together. Uh, and our first thing that we want to start off with is talking about affordability um, because it's really important to recognize that this is not an affordable place to live. Um, really in, in most cities in North America right now are not affordable places for, for people to live. I believe Toronto is is one of the worst in the world, though, not just North America right now. Yes. Um, specifically for all of you listening, I imagine you're probably mostly from Toronto because you probably know us if you're listening to our third episode. We're not quite internationally renowned as a podcast yet. So I think most people listening are tuning in from Toronto. Um, and stuff that I looked up was... Affordable housing, you know, it's something you think like it gets thrown around a lot. City will talk about, you know, oh, we're trying to make sure that X percent of all new builds in Toronto are affordable. What is the actual, um, you know, affordable housing rate? And I'll give you a second to think about, you know, what do you think of like, what would affordable be to you? Um, what would affordable have been to you when you were working? If you're not currently, if when you were working like a minimum wage job, um, because I think the answer might surprise you. Um, Toronto has defined affordable an affordable one-bedroom in Toronto to be $1,420 a month, uh, and a two-bedroom to be $1,622 a month. I don't know about you, but that's not affordable to me at all. I don't know why that is, who got away with defining that as affordable? It makes no sense to me. The, the the city of Toronto, you know, really, really keeps its finger on the pulse of what its residents' lives are like, clearly. Um, got really down to earth <laughs> metrics there. Yeah, I don't I don't get it. And so this is uh, properly the definition sorry, the definition of affordable housing in Toronto is uh, where housing, which is defined as the total monthly shelter cost, so that includes your heat and hydro, is at or below Toronto's average market rent. So it changes every year uh, because Toronto's definition is just lower than average, basically. What a, like, just what a horrible definition, right? Because it, we don't have any control, like the city itself does not have any control over you know, the free market of, of housing. And so by saying just whatever is below average, it that has no sort of like um it, like it, it doesn't matter what's going on in the free market like if there was a five thousand dollar like for some reason five thousand dollars was the uh the new average cost of a place in toronto like oh, i'm it would, sure we're getting there you know and yeah we'll be there soon you know it would just be considered affordable to be less than that and that's that doesn't make sense because it, it should be like affordable housing should be defined as like 
you know, on minimum wage, can you afford that place? Because that's what, or even lower than that. And it's um, interesting that Toronto chooses to use a, a set value, like average market rent or less, as the cutoff for affordable housing. Because um, one one definition I've seen that I definitely prefer, um, and this is the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation's definition, uh, affordable housing is housing that costs less than 30% of a household's before-tax income. And obviously, if you're making minimum wage, $1,400 a month is probably not going to be 30% or less of your monthly income. Well, don't you worry, Alex. I did calculate roughly what a person on minimum wage currently would make a month. And you are absolutely right. It is more than 50% of your rent, of your money that you make at minimum wage would go towards your rent. Minimum wage, obviously very gross generalization. I just did a very basic like minimum wage times like 40 hours a week times four weeks in a month. Uh, and it came out to about like $2,600. That so, from when I was making minimum wage. Yeah. And it's like, if you're spending more than half of your like monthly income on rent, that like, it's just like, okay, well, like, first of all, forget saving. You're not going to be able to save at all. And this is, this is in an affordable housing situation. You can't even save your money. We're not talking about the fact that I'm currently house hunting and how like things are not at this level like to find a place that cost about this much like at the affordable range i have to move into a place where like first of all you're guaranteed roommates you need to move into a place with roommates um the bedrooms are about the size of a bed <laughs> you can fit <laughs> you can get the bed in you can't get the bed into the room you have to assemble your bed in the room and then it pretty much goes from wall to wall to wall to wall and that's and even then you're still not like the place is not affordable enough for you to be saving. Like, I don't like, I don't live irresponsibly. My, my mom very much drilled into me, like save money every time you can, like don't throw money away on stupid things. And I, for the most part, don't, um, my Uber eats bill would beg to differ some sometimes, <laughs> but that really just depends on, you know, how busy my life is and whatever. Um, and still, I don't have any savings from my six years living in Toronto. Um, and it's, it's just, it just sucks. Um, but that was all just to kind of, you know, set the, uh, set the stage because we wanted to talk about, you know, like living in Toronto and like the pros and cons of it and have maybe a little bit more of like a fun episode. But we just wanted to make it, make sure that everyone knows, like we are acknowledging that like the biggest barrier of entry to all of this is the fact that like nothing is affordable. Um, but yeah, Alex, do you want to bring us into uh, talking about some of the pros and cons of, of living downtown and our own experiences? Absolutely. Um, so we, we are going to start with a couple of cons here. Just, uh, y y you know, we, we started off on the note of you, you probably can't afford your housing anyway. Now we are just <laughs> continuing into here are the problems you may be facing. Um, but it, it's okay. It'll, it'll, it'll pick up. It'll pick up. Um, but so one of the big things that drives people to live downtown in the city center is the fact that that's where things are. Um, you know, if you're a student, like we both are, living as a commuter student kind of sucks. Um, mm -hmm. I, I spent 
two years doing that before, I mean, before school went virtual and then I moved downtown. Um, <laughs> Good timing. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, it means I'm paying 500 bucks a month less for rent than I would have been. So still not at the affordable housing level, though, interestingly enough, for a one bedroom apartment. Um, but I, I actually did some research into this and um, very, very scientific. I found a blog PO article. Um, and the average student in Toronto has a commute time of 45 minutes one way. So that's 90 yeah. minutes in total. Um, and I'm sure depending on when you're commuting, you know, if you're at rush hour, that 90 minutes could easily jump to two, two and a half hours. If you're lucky. <laughs> if you're lucky. If you're willing to become a sardine at Bloor Young Station <laughs> and at, and have like be packed into a subway so tightly you can barely breathe. <laughs> oh my God, do you remember that time a, a couple of years ago where they had to sh like evict people from Bloor Young Station because it was a fire hazard? How many people were packed in? Mm -hmm. I mean, <sighs> especially, I mean, speaking of commuting and the, the problems of living downtown, on top of that, just commuting, like the problems that happen on commute, every year there's something. I remember just with the heat waves we're going through right now, shout out to anyone on the on the West Coast, I'm praying for you. Well, thinking about you. <laughs> um, I, Thoughts or prayers, pick one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember, I think it was three summers ago, um, when the Bloor, like the green line, the air conditioning on all the cars like broke and it was only working at the front and end car because of like workers rights. You couldn't make someone sit there and operate the train for that many hours in just like sweltering heat. And so it was like, it was just like, uh, like every, no one, you either suffered in like 40 degree heat in like the, the other, the regular cars, like the un the broken cars really, uh, where you could find a seat or like you weren't packed in or you were like getting punched and whatever to get into one of the cars they see. And it's just that commute life is, I do not miss it. It was, yeah. and, and that's still like, that's, you can be in Toronto. Like this is not like, this is the average. You can be in Toronto and still have well over an hour commute. Like this isn't even talking about like, you know, if you're in Mississauga, you're like, good luck. Hour and a half is your average commute, right? This is like, you can be in the city where you go to school, where you work, whatever, and have over an hour of commute time. It is wild. Yeah, no. And I mean, as, as, as you pointed out, aside from even the timing, anyone who has taken the TTC regularly has uh, a whole list of TTC stories to pull out. Always. Um, but that's why, you know, all these things are why, you know, like living downtown, you know, and like for downtown, I kind of think of that of like south of like Bloor or Wellesley and then kind of like between Bathurst and like, I don't know, maybe like Parliament or something, maybe a couple of streets further yeah, right, over. Right, right in the core there. Yeah. And that's, that's and like, you, can actually you need walk to live places. there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you don't live in that place, your commute sucks and is hell. And it just makes your life miserable every day, twice a day. 
And um, <laughs> we, we actually have some, again, very scientific evidence for, for the impact of the commute on students particularly. Obviously, it's not just students who have to commute. There are a ton of non-students who still have to commute into the city for work and can't afford to live in the, the core because the affordable housing cutoff is so much higher than a lot of people are making. Um, but, but, but with that, on average, a student is spending more than $200 a month on transit. Um, this is pre-pandemic numbers also right now. <laughs> you know, things are picking up again, but hopefully no one's um, com commuting to school every In day. In general, we're just counting the last year and a half as like it didn't happen. These stats no and stuff are all, because I mean, right now the average commute time for students is probably about like 30 seconds. <laughs> from your bed uh, to I your mean, computer. <laughs> it takes me a lot longer than that to get from my bed to my computer. <laughs> I don't know about you. Um, but 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 this is this is something that students notice. Um, you know, more than 30% of students in this survey said that they feel their commute has a significant impact on their academic success. Um, a lot more than that said that they they feel it's a barrier to them participating in campus activities. I know that that was certainly the case for me as a, as a commuter student. Um, I was not involved in campus life at all. I would come to class, do my classes, go home so that I could be home by dinner time. Um, yeah. You know, and it, it, it sucks. It's not the way that I wanted to live, but that is unfortunately, yeah, the choice that a lot of us are left with. Um, well, and let's talk about, um, you know, so you, you were, were talking about how, you know, you, the situation basically kind of drives people to be like, I got to be downtown. It's going to be kind of like the best situation for me would be, would be to be downtown. Um, but let's talk about your current situation. Uh, one of the downsides to living downtown, um, that is true everywhere is that it is dirtier downtown. You know, I at my mom's place in the good old suburbs, I, I I had the usual like weekly task. I had to dust my room. That was the you know, my chore that I was assigned ever since I was like, who knows, 10 years old. Mm -hmm. I could get away with not dusting my room for weeks and you wouldn't know. Down here. Oh, my God. There is I the other day. I was actually getting ready to send some things back to my mom's place just because I was like, I don't use this stuff. It's taking up space. And I like pulled it off a shelf and behind those books on this shelf, I swear to God was like pounds of dust. <laughs> pounds. Oh it was my ridiculous. God. And this, it was something, something that you mentioned for me, it only happens in like those places that like, you know, you don't pick all your books off your shelf and dust every time you clean your room. For me, it happens mostly in those spaces, but Alex, you were telling me about your place and I've seen your place and I can confirm that it's a little bit different for you. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now you have an idea of the way that I live, um, because you see my little one bedroom apartment that I am paying a stupid amount of rent for overlooks the Gardner Expressway uh, and underneath the Gardner Lakeshore Boulevard, which also a lot, lot of noise, um, not great for sleeping at night, although the building's relatively soundproof as long as you keep the windows closed. But that is not the point. The point is that all of these expressways, whatever, 
kick up a lot of dust into the air. And that dust then gets into my building's ventilation system. And despite the fact that we have like filters, everything still ends up all over my apartment. Um, and the, it's, it's not just like a me problem. Um, you know, my building a few weeks ago sent out an email to everyone being like, Hey, it's time for the seasonal, um, changeover for your, um, your, your filter in your AC unit, whatever. Um, and, and also the official recommendation is to change them every six months. But we in the building, condo management, we think you should change yours every four months because you can't get away with, with six months. The building is too dusty for that. Uh, you you should be prepared. Yeah, yeah no. And, and speaking of very scientific endeavors uh, that we want to pursue here, I uh, conduct after, you know, you know Alex and I, we talked about this. And so I was like, you know what, let's ask around. So I asked around, I asked two different friends who live by the gardener and both of them said that their place by the gardener is more dusty and hard to like keep clean than any other place they lived in downtown. So um, I'm going to take that as 100% irrevertible, irrevertible truth, irrevertible fact. I believe so. Something like that. It's fact. I'm going to take this as a 100% proven fact. So this is a tip for people. Maybe, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> um, this is a tip for anyone who is moving downtown. Yes, the lakeshore is really great, really pretty. You love having the the views over Lake Ontario. But, and all oh that. my god, it's so dusty. <laughs> it it is very dusty. Yep, can confirm. But that's the thing about cities is by their nature, they generate pollution. Um, you know, there's the dust, there is the noise pollution, light pollution, mm-hmm. all of this stuff. I've noticed that I, since since moving in here, I have been sleeping uh, a lot more lightly. And uh. I think the reason why is that the window in my bedroom, it has blinds. Uh, but the blinds aren't great and I have not gotten like blackout curtains or anything. So at any time of the day or night, I mean, day, obviously there's light coming in, but at night too, um, you know, my building looks out on other buildings. There's the highway, there's all of these lights and it is, it is shining in through the cracks in my blinds. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a really heavy sleeper, so I haven't honestly noticed in my time, uh, that it impacts my sleep, but I definitely think that's something to keep in mind. Like, you know, uh, if you are moving downtown, like you very much can't, like, there's so many things to think about. And obviously we're doing this. I don't, you know, I don't expect people to be like, Oh my God, I'm going to use every word they say and whatever for my next time I'm house hunting in Toronto. But like, you know, just nice anecdotes to keep in mind is definitely like living where I am right now. Um, which is, so like, I, I actually, I kind of lived, so right now I, I live near um, University in Dundas and I lived there two years, well, no, I guess it's like three years before this, I lived actually like on the other side of the intersection. Um, both of those years, I definitely found myself uh, a lot more like, oh my God, there's so much noise outside, like whether it was during 
this year particularly has been like during meetings. I'm like, oh my God, can they hear all that stuff happening outside my window kind of thing? <laughs> I hope not. It's like, you know, a siren. There's always a siren. I, I firmly believe that if you have good hearing, which I don't, unfortunately, so I can't really test this myself, but I believe that if you got like just stood in kind of like a very central place to like downtown Toronto and listened, you could always hear every minute there would be a siren. I, I'm almost <laughs> sure of it. It's, it's just, it's so much. <laughs> um, whereas when I, when I lived in my last place, which was the Ilk residence uh, on campus, my room specifically faced into a courtyard where it was just like trees and it was, there was another building there. And, you know, it, the back of it faced into this courtyard, but it was no noise. I never heard any sorts of things. And I think it's just really interesting, like that, like how, like, uh, like for me, I don't think about it because it doesn't bother me. I sleep, I can sleep through a fire alarm. I have slept through fire alarms. Oh no. All those. Oh yeah. Tons, I mean, hopefully none with actual fires involved. Who knows? I slept through them and I'm alive. So it wasn't bad enough. Um, but definitely like it's something to keep in mind. Like if you are either like very like sensitive to like lights downtown, you're going to need blackout curtains, you know? And like, that's just something to keep in mind. Or, um, I know a lot of people who, you know, you go from living at your parents' place in the suburbs or even further out and, you know, a uh, small little rural town coming downtown. I know people who had to like get, um, what's noise, it called? noise canceling, like, Either noise canceling headphones or straight up just earplugs. Yeah. Just like, you know, the like construction worker, bright orange earplugs, um, kind of thing. And, and yeah, I mean, there was an, an ongoing joke even in my last place where I worked and lived. I, when you work in residence, a lot of the jobs are live in and, uh, we were right below a like trash collection area for the, for like uh, several buildings nearby. Oh no! And so every morning at 5.00 AM, it would be like beep, 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 like this freaking garbage truck backing up. And we would like all the time, we'd all like, you know, text each other like, oh, who got woken up by the trash today? Like, you know, it was it was just a running thing. And it, it is very much just kind of part of the Toronto experience. But of course, we could go on for, for much more than than an hour, probably about all the irritations of, of living downtown. Um, you know, everything we've talked about, the grocery stores are more expensive roommate oh. drama, a whole, like all, all of that. But on a bit of a lighter note, David, would you like to tell us a bit about what we can do to um, alleviate some of these troubles and make the downtown experience better? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, um, there's, there's so many things that are just like personal, like, like everyone's going to have a different opinion. Right. And so on, you know, uh, like on all these different things, whether it be, I don't like noise or I do like noise or, oh, I don't care if my place is dusty. I don't, I like dusting whoever said that. I don't know, but everyone has different things. And I think the most important thing is just sit down and plan, you know, when you're moving, like it is a big decision, you know? So if you're moving downtown, write down things that you like about your day and just think about like, okay, how, how is that going to change when I'm downtown? So for example, I don't, I don't really care that much about, about like, this is going to sound bad. I need to word it, but I was going to say, I don't really care much about plants. Obviously that's not true. I don't, 
enjoy having plants is a better way to word it. So for example, you know, like, like green space and whatever, all those sorts of things, that's not a huge thing for me. But if you're someone who loves to go on a walk every day um, and, you know, you want to like walk through a park and whatever, that's something to keep in mind because not every place downtown has a great park nearby. So I think my biggest thing would just be planning out, thinking about what are the things you enjoy and looking kind of around the places where you're looking and making sure that there are the things that are kind of going to meet your needs. Um, Absolutely. And and I think that's a, a really good insight. Um, you know, when I moved down here, I had a spreadsheet with like priorities, stuff. I wanted a balcony, a building, love a school, all, all that stuff. Um, but it did not cross my mind to to think about the the actual like day-to-day experience I wanted. Um, and I think, I mean, I like my place, but I think uh, that would have been a really useful uh, kind of mindset to go into it with. Yeah, maybe you'd have to dust less if we had, if only we had known the gardener was creating all that dust before. <laughs> um, I think the other big thing, we didn't really talk about it because it's, again, it's a little, it's like personal and it's not like a generalized thing, but roommate issues, like we said, you're always going to need a roommate to afford housing in Toronto until you're like making the big bucks. Um, and or I'm I mean, gonna, for those of you whose parents are making the big bucks and are willing to subsidize your rent, like good for hit you. Me up. <laughs> <laughs> hit me up, please. Will your parents subsidize my, um, but I'm not going to go too much into it, but I've had some very fun roommate experiences. And I think that they can be the most um, the biggest thing that can ruin your experience of living on your own can be your roommate issues. And so I think the first piece of advice for, you know, moving downtown, you've got to get a roommate. Um, your friends are not necessarily good roommates, you know, and that's not like, that's not a bad thing. Like I can get along great with a friend, but maybe I just like, hate their cleaning habits. That doesn't make them a bad person at all. It just means we are not compatible as roommates. And I think the most important thing people need to do when they are thinking about moving downtown and getting a roommate is asking yourself, can I live with this person? Not do I like this person? Because I have lived with people that I, I mean, I lived with my partner for three years, obviously loved them. Um, but we were not necessarily the most compatible roommates in how we wanted to like, whatever. Um, and obviously like that was that, that incident, that wasn't even, that was just very small. You know, we had different ideas on how things should go. Um, you know, but leading up to my experience this year where my roommate did not think that COVID was a big deal, did not think that, having someone move in as a third roommate in a two bedroom apartment was something that needed to be ran by me in advance. Um, (laughs) All of these things are important things to talk about with your roommates. And so even if you, if you get past that point where you're like, okay, yeah, this person is someone I'm compatible with as roommates, not just as friends. Also, you don't need to be friends with your roommate. Maybe the most compatible roommates for you aren't your friends. And that's totally fine. Living with a random person that you're compatible roommate with wise can be better than living with friends. It's it can true. be maybe, just throwing it out there. Yeah. Maybe all you need is someone who does the dishes regularly and you know, lo- loves to dust, <laughs> whatever it is. Doesn't yeah, do like, wild parties every night. Exactly. Like after the pandemic is done, obviously like you don't need to hang out with your roommate. 
you know, during the pandemic, it kind of was like, that's your only friend that you're allowed to have is whoever you're living with. But <laughs> moving forward, you know, if you're looking for places for September or if you're listening to this later on, whatever, um, just don't just, just don't think, oh, my friend would be a good roommate without any extra thought to it. Um, and then the next step is write a roommate agreement, even if it's just like very basic, like we're all going to clean up our own messes. Um, just some very basic things about like cleaning, about expectations with like kind of those respect things. So like how loud do you think people should be like, do you, does anyone care if someone's loud at 3am? Maybe no one will, you know, for example, if I'm your roommate, I don't, I'll sleep through it. You can set a fire off in, at 3am and I wouldn't know. Um, but those things are really important to just like write down, put it in a Google doc, share it with everyone and just like have it there so that if someone tries to move in a extra <laughs> roommate, you have a document that says, we agreed that we would run by extra guests, you know, run, run guests by each other. Uh, that it's one still catches me off guard every time I gotta say. And, and, oh, this is not a podcast. Maybe it will do it later once we're further removed from the incident, but this is not a podcast about my specific things. It is my specific roommate issues, but from my experience, I would definitely recommend like, like, I don't know how to get the message across. Like no matter how good of a friend or how much you trust your roommate, just do a roommate agreement. Even if it's your like cousin or your sister, or I don't know, whoever, just write down your shared expectations. It's a useful thing to do when you're sharing. Like when you start a new job, you talk with your coworkers about like, Hey, what are our expectations on this project or whatever? It's just a good thing to do when you're sharing a space, probably for a year with someone. It's good to just get those ground rules out of the way, even if you don't think you're ever going to refer back to them. In the worst case, you've wasted five or 10 minutes writing down stuff in a Google Doc and you never look back at it. In the best case, it's going to help you when issues arise. Absolutely. Like the, the roommate version of a prenup. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, basically. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I actually want to Go back for a second. Um, if, if we can take a left turn away from roommates, um, just thinking about you mentioning that like having plants isn't yeah, no definitely isn't that was to you. talking about the roommates was more my sort of like how do I cope with downtown living? But there are a lot of other ways to cope with downtown living, and I know I've been to your place. Um, it, it's a it's it's a garden. It's it's a full on garden, and yet you live in a condo. My, my, my balcony is a garden. I don't have any plants inside right now um, because unfortunately, like the kind of light I get just isn't good enough inside to have, like, like I, I don't love low light, light plants. Um, that is not the point. Ooh. The point here is that even if you don't think you're particularly like a garden person, having one or two plants around and like low maintenance, get like a spider plant or something if you don't like gardening. Um, I, I actually don't know if that's good advice. I've never had a spider plant. <laughs> um, don't, don't quote me on that. <laughs> but get a couple of plants around and it might surprise you how much it can just kind of brighten your day a, a little bit. Um, and this also, I have some very, um, very real research about I, I found an NBC article 
Um, and it does cite some studies. So there's, there's, there's science somewhere in the process here. Yeah, I can see you've titled this in our document, Plants Good. So I would love to hear some more about... Plants Good. I, plants I stand good? behind that. <laughs> in, in, in the opinion of several scientists, yes. <laughs> plants um, Good. You heard it here first. <laughs> as, as, as I hope some of you may know, one of the cool things that plants do is they breathe in carbon dioxide and they breathe out oxygen. Um, and that's just like nice. It's not like wherever you're living, hopefully it has enough ventilation that you're not running low on oxygen <laughs> during the day. International, we're, the people from the International Space Station are actually tuning in. So they are strongly disagreeing with <laughs> your thought that more ventilation would be better oxygen. <laughs> but, just crack um, open a window. <laughs> yeah, just make sure that your neighbors aren't having a carbon monoxide leak. You'll be fine. Or like um, a meth lab. But aside from, actually, now that you mentioned a meth lab, it might be a good idea to have a houseplant if your neighbors have a meth lab. Because oh. aside from just recycling carbon, um, plants can sort of purify air a little bit. Uh, and you probably won't have like a huge amount of toxicity in your air. We don't have like terrible air quality. But and if, if you're, you're like struggling from breathing, buying like one succulent isn't going to solve your medical issue, but. <laughs> but a couple of crystals might. <laughs> <laughs> and that brings us to our first sponsor. <laughs> Crystalemporium.com. <laughs> Who needs gotta, doctors? You gotta get a free succulent when you get three crystals. Ooh. Yeah, that's right. Um, but no, I think, you know, I, I obviously said earlier in the podcast, like, I don't care much for plants. I think for me, like, it's currently I'm just too lazy and whatever that the pros, the cons outweigh the pros that I have to remember too much about plants. But, like, it's not, it's not debatable. Like, obviously plants, like... That's nature, good. Nature is good, you know? Like, plant, like... <laughs> Like there's, they're not going to do well. I mean, obviously there's some plants that could kill you, but like getting a plant, sure. It's not going to like suddenly make your air like 100% like better or something like that. But it's like, yeah, of course it's better. It's, there's been studies forever saying that taking walks in a forest can, you know, improve your mental health. So like, why not, you know, on a smaller scale, getting a couple plants in your apartment? Yeah, exactly. Like, it also just makes you feel good when you look over and you see green instead of just concrete or whatever your walls are made of. Concrete jungle, wet dream tomato. <laughs> no, hey, Alex, I'm, I'm, I think I'm not that, familiar with that one. I think that reference was lost on my co-host. Do you not know the song? Um, oh my God, I'm totally blanking. Rihanna and Jay-Z. Um, like New York what's it called I know the song but the, the actual line is concrete jungle where dreams are made of but the joke was that it sounded like concrete jungle wet dream to anyway <laughs> anyway <laughs> yes it's good to it's I, good I, to I, I appreciate that little insight into, into the workings moment. of your mind <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I think it's I, I think for me it's kind of like right now at my stage of life I'm just not up to like owning plants because it's, it's just, I just forget. I, I've had plants, people have gifted me plants and they die. If you've gifted me a plant, 
I didn't tell you, but just know that I currently don't own any plants. So the plant you gave me died. And I'm sorry. But that's I feel okay bad. too. Like if it makes you happy to have a cactus in your room for a couple of weeks and then it dies and you get a new cactus. If like, I'm, I'm not <laughs> saying you specifically, but for anyone who's listening, if that makes you happy, then you do you. You know, you don't have to feel guilty for killing a plant. It's a, it's a plant. It doesn't really care that much. Yeah. I, I think like later in life, I do very much like, I love the idea of, growing a plant like I think also there's a lot to be said about like taking care of something makes you feel good like be if you if I were one day to raise you know a tomato plant all the way to the point where it produces a tomato I could eat I don't really care that much for tomatoes or anything but like that would just feel so good being like look at what I just accomplished you know it's that sense of germinating seeds over the winter is the one thing that kept me going through like March April Oh, and when you asked me, uh, when you asked me like for those two or three days to come over and like take care of the the seedlings that you were growing, I was like, I'm like a proud parent. I I sprayed your seed, <laughs> like the, the couple seeds you had with a water bottle that you provided once a day, two days in a row. And I was like, look at me all grown up and accomplished. And they did so great. They all lived. Look at that. See, I can, I'm going to claim credit on those plants, but <laughs> But no, it's definitely, I think that's absolutely something that you can do to kind of make the the downtown living experience better. Um, and, you know, maybe if you like live right beside High Park, you're not going to need as many plants to sort of feel good at your place because you're, you know, right beside a great outdoor area. Um, but definitely, you know, when you're surrounded by the gardener on one side and <laughs> all, all of those condos down by where you are at the lakeshore it's green space is sparse. So you got to make your own. In general, I think just asserting what agency you can over your space um, and shaping it to fit your needs better is, is really good. Um, You know, as a tenant, you don't always have that much power over where you live, but asserting the, the power that you have can make more of a difference than you might think. Definitely. And I think speaking about power and asserting that power, Um, Our last little sort of tip before we go into our happy-go-lucky sort of ending it off with all the things we love about downtown living is tenant organizing slash like if you live in a place, I don't know if you're called a tenant. What are are you called if you own a condo apartment or whatever? Um, Are you a tenant in that condo still? I have no idea. I, I think if you own a place, then you're just a homeowner. Whatever it is, homeowners association, tenant union, whatever it would be called. Um get involved in those, pay attention to those. Um, you'd be surprised by how many things that your building or your neighborhood, whatever your landlord is doing that aren't allowed that you can just by replying back to a landlord and saying, Hey, actually that's not allowed. You know, you aren't going to have to suffer through some shitty change that you're, uh, some sort of whether you could even be the city or whatever is trying to force on you. Um, Tenants have rights. Now, you know, do tenants deserve rights? Who knows? Maybe. Better question. Do landlords deserve rights? Probably not. I, um, I have opinions on that, but, um, (laughs) we're not going to go into the whole like mouthing today. I just, I think it's important and we're going to have other episodes on this larger topic, but I think it's just important to be aware of like your rights and responsibilities, whatever sort of situation you're in, like people at, you know, X university where we go know that I'm always the one calling out, you know, when the university does something that it 
shouldn't be doing or the students union, whatever. And people are always like, why do you care so much? And I'm like, why don't you care? You know, like if you are living in your building and you're being taken advantage of, or you're at your university and you're, someone is, you know, doing something they're not allowed and it's, you know, putting you at a disadvantage, knowing your rights means like you won't be taken advantage of. And like being part of something like a tenants union, like, yeah, most of the time it's like, you'll attend a meeting and it's like, well, that really didn't accomplish anything. But that one time that your landlord does try to like unjustly raise your rent, uh, which happens all the time, or, you know, someone tries to renovict you, which is evicting you to pretend they're renovating. And then they like paint the wall and, you know, Relist the place $500 a month higher. Yeah, because there's a fresh coat of paint or something ridiculous. All those sorts of things, like there are things in place to stop that stuff from happening. But if you aren't looking for it and standing up and speaking out or like even just standing up for yourself, it doesn't have to be like, you know, going to city hall and speaking to the whole council. It can just be sending an email back to your landlord being like, hey, actually, this isn't allowed. Please let me know if you're still going to go ahead with this or whatever. The thing is like as much as a lot of landlords act like they're just people trying to run their business, make their own rent, whatever, when they are violating your rights, most of the time they know that they're violating your rights and they're counting on you either not being aware of that or being too polite to say anything. If you let them know that, you know, a lot of the time they will back down because they know that you have the power in that situation. Yeah. And so I would recommend looking up, if you just Google Toronto Acorn, it is a just all sort of all purpose sort of group that advocates for like affordable housing, tenants rights, um, definitely like also talks about, like you know, within that portfolio of like affordable housing, you know, talking about justice for like people who are living in encampments, all that sort of stuff too. Um, so yeah, I would definitely just Google Toronto Acorn exactly like the the nut seed acorns are, are they nuts? They seeds seeds. I play Stardew Valley. I should know that. Um, Fall off oak trees. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, just, just look that up and like follow them on Instagram, follow them on Twitter, whatever, uh, subscribe to a newsletter that they have. And it's just, it's just good to have that in your back pocket for like that time that you do experience something where you're like, Hey, I don't think that's fair, you know? And then you can look into these resources that they have available for you. Um, and I think that's the, that's the biggest piece of advice I would have for downtown living is, is just, there's a lot of exploitation going on in the housing market. Even uh, if you're not downtown, if you're renting, sorry, yeah. you should know your rights as a tenant. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to be part of a tenants union to exert those rights either. No, it's stronger if you're part of, you know, a group of always that's, you know, kind of the concept of forming groups and unions and stuff like that. But, Power but yeah. numbers. My God. I haven't heard that before. Um, but like we said, we, we've had two pretty serious episodes, you know, recently, and obviously those are important conversations, but we do want to, we do, we don't only want this podcast to be like, you know, you tune in and it's like, oh, another depressing sort of thing. So we wanted to talk about some of our fun experiences, uh, and fun things about, you know, living downtown. Um, oh my God. And are there fun things about living downtown? Yeah. Where um, can you, like, if you're living with your parents, I'm going to venture that most people who live with their parents wouldn't be able to like just come home drunk at 4 a.m. if you're at your parents' house. That's something you can do when you live on your own downtown. You know, you can just walk to the bar, walk home. No worrying about, you know, impaired driving, you know, transit will have you covered, all these different things. That to me is one of the 
peak, even though I'm not really, I mean, pandemic aside, like I'm not really like going out every Friday, Saturday night, going to the club. It's just nice to like, you know, be able to go to a friend's place and not have to be getting you that text from your mom. Like, are you coming home? Like, what <laughs> should I be expecting you? And a lot um, of the time downtown, you can walk to the bar and walk back. Uh, there's the, the, the commute time that you don't have to deal with. And it is so wonderful. Like even mm-hmm. during the pandemic, I have had such a great time being able to walk places on the rare occasions that I do go anywhere. So nice. No, it's, it's amazing. Like living in the city, it just gives you so much autonomy, whether that be from your parents and like maybe your parents are super chill or, you know, whatever. Um, and that's not an issue, but just having the autonomy of like, even if it's not from your parents, it's like from other places where you just have less available to you, you know, like where else can you go and get a freaking waffle at two in the morning? <laughs> I don't know anywhere else, like other than a, than downtown, you know, in a, you in mean a big they don't city. have that in the suburbs. <laughs> they don't have waffles at 7 PM in the suburbs. Are you kidding me? <laughs> the, I remember, you know, my where my mom lives is not really the suburbs anymore. For the record, it's in Vaughn, uh, right by the Rutherford Go Station. Things around there are definitely becoming more of like it's basically a city. You know, there are twenty four hour McDonald's, and there's a, specifically on the topic of waffles, there is a twenty four hour Denny's near my mom's now. So like that's becoming more and more. But like when I talk about you know the the real suburb experience, like where everything closes at 4 p.m. or 6 p.m. kind of thing. That's just so, like, when you're in that time of your life where you have a lot of free time because, you're like, you're a student. You've got a lot of time in between classes to be doing things. Or, you know, you can, your your schedule is so flexible. You've got all that time. It's just great to be able to do anything you want, you know? Um, There's so many services and events that are not available elsewhere, like, going to an escape room. Like there's 5 million different escape rooms in downtown uh, Toronto. And there's so many other things that just aren't available in other places because of, you know, lack of demand. And, and it's just great having that autonomy. Mm-hmm. And as, as much as, as much as there's not always green space, like right next to wherever you are, there's a lot of amazing parks in, in the city center mm-hmm. here. Um, you know, I live, on the on the waterfront next to the gardener um and i'm i'm right by roundhouse park and it's great you can go there and like dog watch any time of the day um there's the waterfront trail which is great oh my god if you run or if you cycle then downtown is absolutely i mean i'm, I'm not sure for runners but there are bike lanes here pretty cool i so actually i think this is i'm gonna say you know what I'm going to say it on this podcast and I'm not going to edit it out. Um, I think for a future episode, what I want to do is I want to get around, it kind of requires pandemic being over. I want to do an episode on cycling where I spend like the week leading up to that episode only using kind of like the bike share and bike lanes and and stuff. Because I think when I moved downtown seven years ago, biking was a death wish. You know, there were all the time stories of people getting, you know, car, car doored, you know, people opening the car door into you as you bike and then you flip over and break your neck. Um, it's just so unaccessible to be able to cycle these days. Pandemics definitely sped it up. Um, 
and kind of pushed for more of it. But it is so great to be able to just kind of, you can, I can walk out of my building without a plan, walk any direction in one or two minutes. And there is like a stack of bikes that I can just pay a couple dollars and I have it for half an hour, two hours, the whole day, a whole, you know, whatever. And I can return it to wherever I want. So I can bike to the place I'm going, return my bike, spend a couple hours there, pick up another bike and bike home. And it's, I haven't done it because I haven't been going anywhere in the pandemic, (laughs) but (laughs) it is really great. Like to be able to just, just like do that. Like you don't have to have any of those overhead costs of owning a vehicle, uh, owning like a transit pass, even. Or even owning a bike. Or yeah, or actually it's a great point because my current building doesn't have a place to store a bike. And you're not, you're not allowed to bring it inside. Everyone does, but if you technically get caught, you know, you're in trouble. And so, yeah, it's, it's great. Like even owning a bike is not always the most like easy thing to store. And I, I'm, I'm sure that you have more opinions about this with like urban planning, whatever, but I have really enjoyed seeing this city become more cyclist and pedestrian mm-hmm. friendly. Um, Absolutely. Especially, yeah, as you, as you said, over the last 14 months or however long it's been. Um, and I <laughs> 14 really months, 14 years, who's to say <laughs> how long the pandemic is? What, what, what day is it? I actually, um, I wrote down May as the date the other day. It, <laughs> it, yeah, it was a moment. <laughs> but um, I, I really do hope that we reach a point, hopefully sometime soon, where we get serious about getting cars out of downtown. Um, I think like London yep. has a tax on the cars brought into the city center um, and just do more with our space, get more transit options, open up more pedestrian space. I, th- I think that this could be the start of, of something really good for our, our core area. Yep. And I think that now is a really great time to move downtown because we are pushing forward this kind of like the active TO sort of like pushing walking and cycling and all that stuff. I do think that's a really great thing now that I wouldn't be able to have say, wouldn't have been able to say seven years ago is yeah, just like being able to walk and bike everywhere. It's just like, it just seems exciting, you know, being able to to do that so easily. And I think that that kind of wraps up like our main sort of, you know, points. Like there's a million things I could say, um, but I think a great thing to do would be to, for each of us to maybe tell a story about one thing that we've loved being able to do downtown. And I, I have two, one's really, really quick. Um, my favorite thing, you know how everyone talks about that like main character moment? Mm-hmm. I will maintain that you can never feel more main character than sitting on a streetcar, the old Toronto streetcars too, you know, the, the not the new flexity stuff. We love that. But sitting on those old creaky metal boxes, mm-hmm. it is raining outside. It's like 1 a.m. Uh, you are going past on college street, all the bars that are still open. So there's just a bunch of drunk people outside the window and you are just crying. I do not remember why I was crying. I'm sure I had a reason, but I have never felt more main character than that. And that's not something I would feel in the suburbs. I've had practically that exact experience, (laughs) except it was a bus replacing a streetcar. It is. It's such a fun experience. Like obviously in the moment I was crying, I was upset, but looking back, I can't remember what I was crying about. So all I remember is, is like the, the feeling of sitting there being like, 
there are like five cameras on me and the director's going to call cut any minute now. You know, like it, it was just, it felt, I felt like I was in a movie. Like it was just that typical crying, looking out a window wistfully as the, the many happy people outside continued their partying. Nothing mm-hmm. better than that. That's my joke. That's my joke sort of favorite thing about downtown. Um, do you have, do you have a story or do you want me to tell my other story while you're oh, still thinking of one? Ab- absolutely. I have a story. Okay. Um, what's, what's yours? Yeah. I mean, for the, the, the first thing is every time I look out my window and I see the lake, that just makes me happy. Um, mm-hmm. But what, what I have really loved about being down here is I have been going like out for walks pretty regularly, uh, stay sane, all that. <laughs> and being right by the lakeshore, I walk along, along the lake pretty re- uh, regularly. And I have seen so many different kinds of like ducks and water birds. <laughs> no, and I had yeah. no idea that Toronto had anything other than like mallard ducks and <laughs> one <Canada> duck. geese. <laughs> yeah, but like down here, I have seen swans. I have seen long-tailed ducks, which I had to get a bird app to identify. I've seen cormorants. Sorry, sorry. Wait, just a pause had to get a bird app to identify. You were forced. There was was no other option. The duck was holding a gun to my head. (laughs) It said, identify me. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me my name, say it. (laughs) But like that's that's just really been incredible for me. I just, just learning about the diversity of wildlife that still exists in our city center, lovely. Absolutely lovely. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think a similar, actually, it's funny. Mine is actually pretty similar to that (laughs) for an assignment for, um, my ProCom degree, we had to communicate a, we had to create a branding campaign for a neighborhood and we got the waterfront, which fun fact, the same BIA that controls the waterfront also controls the Toronto Island, which is interesting. Um, I would have thought they'd have a separate one. Uh, but maybe there just aren't enough people on the Island. Probably that's, that's probably the reason, but, um, it was just so nice to be able to like, like, first of all, like it was a combination of going to school and living downtown. Um, but it was just like, I was able to hop on a streetcar from my place, go like 15 minutes, meet up with my group members at the waterfront and like start creating things. Like we created a video essay, um, we actually took photos of the wildlife. So we were taking pictures of like ducks and, and swans and things like that. Um, and all these different things. And it was just like so cool to like specifically because it was an assignment, we went through the entire kind of like waterfront community. And so we <laughs> saw like all the different sort of things it had to offer from like, you know, the giant pretty glass condos to the Toronto Island to whatever. And it was just so nice being like, I am within arm's reach of so much down here. And I just, mm-hmm. I just had fun doing an assignment for school because the city I'm in is fun. And this is obviously not to say that there are no problems. Like obviously all of that stuff, you know, is, is true, but it was just so, it's just so cool being in a place where there's so much to do so much to experience that you can't experience elsewhere, or at least you can't experience out of a city. Um, and it's, it was just so great. Like, yeah. And like being in the waterfront, like there's the walking paths, the, 
the bike paths, all of those little mini park at things that kind of just are in between the buildings for places to hang out. And there's, there was at the time there were seesaws that made noises when you used them. That's so fun. And it was, just, there's always something going on. And so I think that's probably just my, my favorite experience or a really a story that makes me feel really good, you know, about living downtown is just the, the ease at which you can access things that are just, just great. It's, it's like, you don't, and you didn't, I didn't spend a dollar that day. You know, it was all just walking around the city. That's so wonderful. Getting an assignment that, that makes you go out and like intentionally explore the place you live in. I think that that's, I mean, that's something that I have been wanting to do more of for a long time. Shout out to CMN something by with text image and sound dr uh richard mcmaster if you are a procom student or you go to x university um would definitely recommend taking that if you can it's a fun course cmn i want to say it's 215 cmn 215 text image sound but yeah but yeah so i think that uh wraps up our episode yeah, we wanted to wrap it up on a, a little fun note. And also, you know, like, obviously, I think most people, again, listening probably know us fairly well. But in case there's people who are tuning in well after we've released this or who have happened to have stumbled across us, getting to know a little bit more about us. Uh, and I do definitely think we, uh, you know, like this podcast will be a mix of, you know, very serious topics some weeks and other weeks will just be like, our opinion on something random that we wanted to talk about. Um, so this was, you know, a little, this was kind of a mix of both. We talked yeah. about some serious things, but also just some fun experiences we've had in the city. Stay tuned for the the future episode about the longos near my apartment. Oh my God. If you, <laughs> if you want to hear an hour of me being upset about the stupidest thing, wait, wait for the episode about longos. Just wait for it. I, I'm going to try and get a floor plan. Because I want to examine how <laughs> awful. This is a preview. The Longos at, what would it be? It's like... It's like Bremner and York, I think. Okay, around the... the it's um, next to the Scotia Arena. Or next to the, I was going to say the ACC. Um, the Longos right there that's in like the basement. Whoever designed it, you should be fired. I'm sorry, I don't care. You should be fired. It was the most stressful experience I have ever had... <laughs> In a grocery store. And grocery stores are sh- supposed to be fun. You're surrounded by food. Anyway, that's just a preview <laughs> for some more nonsense episodes coming your way. Um, but until then, until next time, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we have been David and Alex on Caring Too Much. And it's and been a blast. Absolutely. Oh, you know what? One last thing. Go stream. Um, if you're not watching All Star Six, you should. <laughs> so you know what I'm going to say. <laughs> Go on st- Twitter yesterday. Yeah. Go stream Jantasy. <laughs> That's fantasy, but with a J. Go stream it right now. Support my girl Jan. Jan for the crown. All Star Six. Woo! <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. See you next. No, see you in two weeks. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye.